Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 179. In this episode, we chat about HubSpot conversations saving you time, plus testing emails in HubSpot and duplicate content considerations. Now there's a tongue twister, Craig. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, strategies, and features for growing your sales, marketing, and service results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search Be Found, and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. Now, Craig, why are you laughing so hard? Oh, I'm just like, are we going to leave that in at the start? We're not going to restart and re-record that one. Let's just keep going. Yeah, absolutely. So, our growth thought of the week, Craig, building a moat. And why are we talking about this? Because there was an interesting Twitter post, which uh, from an Brian person called Brian Halligan. And it talked about the 2019 marketing tech stack across three different areas, attract, engage, analyze, and optimize. And HubSpot was in all three of those. Well, for one particular company, G2 Crowd. This is actually pretty cool. Scott Brinker from MarTech has this little, it's not really a competition, but it's kind of a survey where people submit their marketing stack. As you know, there's thousands of tools. And one of them, G2 Crowd, this was their stack. And HubSpot was in all three I guess, uh, stages of their stack. And, uh, of course, you can go and check out some of the other ones as well. I've got links in the show notes. Uh, But we're talking about this idea of building a moat. And what I thought was interesting was, well, there's a product moat. There's your product is so good that people can't get close. You're protecting yourself with a moat. But there's, I think there's other differentiators that HubSpot have just besides their product. And I think we're going to chat about some of those. And one you've always heard about us talking on this show is their high quality of support. Yeah. And you know how lots of companies have great support these days? Yes. It's, it's not that much of a differentiator, but I've got to say with HubSpot support, not only is it very timely, very quick to respond, but there's actually quite well-trained people. There are senior people on support. And I was listening to you uh, on a support call today. Like, I've never had this experience where they go, oh, I'll just check that and get back to you. And, all you know, in the background, all they're doing is a Google search and trying to find something. Correct. They're actually really well trained. They're very yes. knowledgeable. And they often come back with answers that I hadn't even considered, which I know sounds a little bit arrogant, but I guess it's just because my benchmark getting support from people, the first support response I get is something that I've already found after a one-second Google search. You know, like Correct. it's just like so condescending. HubSpot is never like that. Their support is great. So lots of companies have great support. HubSpot's is excellent. However, that's not that much of a differentiator these days. However, I think what is, is one particular asset they've been building. Which is the HubSpot Academy. And you know what? And I often tell this to people that says, you know, why should I consider HubSpot or why should I use this tool? And I say, look, everything that's in there in in the Academy that we use to train our teams, and you, I know you do too, and we train ourselves using that, that training. And so I always tell people, you can know as much as we do by using that training and actually applying yourself to the system. Obviously, we use it day in, day out. Not everybody uses it the same way we do, but it's all there. It's just a matter of finding it, learning it, and applying it. Yes, so not only is their content good, but it's very well organized, a nice HubSpot Academy. Because other, so for example, Google, they have a lot of online training around tools, Google Analytics, Google Ads, but it's, a, it's impossible to find. How yeah. do you find it? It's not well structured. And well, it's kind of, HubSpot Academy is a moat. This is a key. Like, can you think of any other company that can even get close? 
Listeners, come, send well, us a comment. Tell, tell us if there's any other product, vendor, software, anything that comes close to what HubSpot Academy has, HubSpot has with HubSpot Academy. I'd love to see it. Now, in terms of support, Craig, I want to say, look, we, we think we use WP Engine and we use their support, but that support is all live chat. There's no pick up the phone, let's call you up. This so, is true. So in that perspective, when you think about support, HubSpot has three different channels that they offer you support on. Being a call, they can call you back, you can do live chat, and you can log a ticket. So I think they give you many options. And I actually really like how we pretty much get 24-7 support because it goes from Singapore to Dublin, I think, then to Boston and then back around again. So, I mean, for us, we probably have dealt with people in Boston and Dublin previously. We deal with a lot of people in Singapore because of the time difference now. And again, like if I am up late at night and doing stuff at other odd hours, you do get people from Dublin and Boston, which is great. And I think there's that consistency across the team. So well done to HubSpot support. All right, Craig, our HubSpot marketing feature of the week. I've spoken about this on previous shows. It's about email testing. Now, do you know that there is actually email testing within the HubSpot marketing email tool where you can choose, I don't know how many different options there were. There were there were literally about 50 different options about you want to to test your email on an iPhone XS, running iOS 13, you know, Outlook 2013 on Windows, Outlook in a, in a Chrome browser. There were so many things. Anyway, you've heard us talk about Litmus before where they, they basically do email testing across, across browsers and across systems. Well, this is built into HubSpot. You can go and select what you want and you can run the test, see the results, and get it out the other end. Now, I'm assuming there's a significant cost to run these tests, is there, Ian? No, there isn't. <laughs> the, the significant cost is you're clicking a few buttons I know. and actually this, doing it. This is, this is what's incredible about it. Uh, and why would I mention that? Because you, you might think, yeah, well, of course it's free. Well, we've used other tools in the past where they have the option for email testing and then they'll charge you a certain amount to test um, with other platforms. Uh, so this is just something you get from HubSpot for free. Let me just tell you, like one of the ones that we've used previously in the past and you could use called Litmus, they charge $99 a month if you want to do email testing. You know what I will say, Litmus is, well, it's the gold standard. So they're probably better. I, I would assume they're better, actually. They better be better for that price uh, in their testing that they do. Have you used it recently? No, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't used it for a long time, actually. Yeah, I just use HubSpot, mainly for our clients. All right. Now onto HubSpot sales feature of the week, Craig. I wanted to highlight this. Sales professionals often uh, should be selling, but also require training. And more than what's really interesting, they have a really good stat, is that sales professionals with three to four years of selling experience spend 50% or more of their time than those with two years or less. And 110% of those with five years or more, probably because rookies aren't sure if they're going to stay in sales and veterans don't believe they need to develop further. So this is about them doing their sales training and actually having time. So what's another interesting stat that people use is that uh, in businesses, sales managers say they spend about 50% of the time actually training their sales team, but really it's 25 to 30% of the time that they actually do it. And I think I spoke about this before. There was an interesting stat that I heard from somebody that worked in Apple 
is that they spend the first hour of every day doing sales training. So these are people in the Apple store. This is the first thing they do every morning. They do an hour of sales training. Really? Yeah. Like before the store opens? Correct. Wow. Like and all this is, the staff on the floor. This is somebody that used to work in a store was telling me about that. So let, let me just check. So every day? Correct. Every they spend day. an hour yeah. every day before the store opens. Wow. Anyway, so coming back to that, I really, and I've, because I've been training a few sales teams and I've been pointing them to resources and they're like, what training can we do? So there are actually two bits of training that I wanted to highlight and I've, I've started doing one of them. I haven't done the other. The first one is frictionless sales certification. So that's something new that's been brought up by HubSpot. So I'd encourage you to do that. I think it's about two hours worth of videos and then there's a test to do at the end. And then there's another one, which is the power of content in sales. So having the right collateral for your sales process and the importance of content. Look, I'm sorry. I'm totally distracted by that Apple stat. An hour of training. Yes. Every morning before. I better, I better think about it. You know what I'm going to do? You're going to walk into the Apple store and ask them? No, no, no. I'm going to tell my team and myself every day. Before you get to email or anything, you've got to do an hour of training on HubSpot Academy, let's say. Let's try that for a month. Yeah, that's a good challenge. And let's see how that goes. Yeah. I mean, you you make time to do things. But exactly. I've, I've, everyone in the team kind of has a bit of a quota or a guide that they're supposed to do in terms of training yeah. each week. No one does it. Myself, I'd pour leading by example in this because- you know, life gets in the way and so, oh, there's something urgent. There's always something urgent each day. Oh, no, well, I'll put training off or I block out an afternoon. No, there's a client call. I'd... But what's if we said the first hour, you can't, you're not allowed to touch email until you've done an hour of training on the HubSpot Academy. You would make time for it. Yeah, You would just right. have to make it happen. Exactly. I think I'm going to do it. Listeners, challenge is on. Listeners, who's with me? <laughs> I'm with you, Craig. All right, there we go. Do the frictionless sales certification, Craig. Let's let's get going. All right, onto the HubSpot service feature of the week, Craig. Using conversations to reduce your workload. Yeah, you know how I love HubSpot conversations. Uh, we don't talk about this enough on the show, I don't think. We haven't really given it as much prominence as it deserves, I feel. So we use HubSpot conversations, in fact, in a number of our businesses, but one of them, we, it's an online training piece, one of my wife's sites, it's quite a lot of support requests coming in. We used to use another product. We've now moved that over to conversations in HubSpot. We don't even use tickets. It's all conversations because they come in by email. They come in by, we've linked in um, Hubs, uh, HubSpot, Facebook, Messenger. Facebook Messenger. That comes in. And the form now comes in because the support form, The right? support form yeah. links straight in the conversation. Now, it's great. It's, re- it's not as full featured as the tool we had before. However, it's saving us a lot more time because of one key little feature and we've got tell a, me craig what is the key shot. little feature if you're in conversations and you're looking at conversation you can assign it to yourself but then up in the top right there's this little drop down and there's move to trash block sender or mark as spam you've got three options there yep and we get we get so many outreach emails and junk support requests i know coming I, was, in. I was reading some of those outreach emails like uh hi i've reached you out the first time and you haven't responded. Oh, the second one. I've reached you for the second time and you haven't responded. Third time, fourth time. I was like, really? <laughs> these people, they, of course, they're all on these sequences, right? They're probably using HubSpot sequences to send these spam outreach emails. Well, there's any number of tools, Mailshake and others. But anyway, the first time that comes in, we just go, right, market spam. 
or block sender, and then all their follow-ups, all those annoying follow-ups, just go into the filtered section in conversation. So we never see them again. It is saving us so much time. And I've got a screenshot here. Since we just added this in, which was a couple of months ago, we switched over to HubSpot Conversations. 522 conversations have been filtered out as spam. It's saving us so which much is time. Oh, yeah. It's saving us so, so much time. So tell me, on the previous system that you used, this did not happen? No. we. In fact, what would happen is you'd mark it. You'd say they'd come in. We just go, oh, mark as resolved to yep. get it out. Then they would do the follow-up. That would come in as a new ticket. Um. Yeah, it was really frustrating. Now, I I think it was an older system. It was yeah. um, it was Desk by Salesforce was what we used to use. So maybe it's an older system and maybe there's newer systems that would have been better. Zendesk might have been better. I don't know. Yeah. But it just used to waste so much of our time because if you think uh, that one outreach and then the four follow-ups, that's five interruptions to uh, that respond. That you have just removed. Yeah, now – Admittedly, you might only take a couple of seconds. Oh, there's no one of these. Okay, I'll, I'll blank it out. But that's context switching. You got to go. It's it's just chewing up yes. mental cycles. Yep. So HubSpot saves us this time. And as we get more and more, like that actual business is getting more and more popular. We're getting lots more of those spam outreach. It's just going to save us more and more time. Yeah, so it compounds, compounding return. Mm. Thank you, HubSpot. Excellent. Now, Craig, onto our marketing tip of the week. And this is about keeping email deliverability good and the effort some people will go to to make sure that, that you get their emails. I've put a screenshot here, and this is, these are, I think this is an email I signed up to a little while ago. But what I found really interesting was that they said they're in the process, they actually sent me an email saying they're in the process of updating their, their customer service experience, and they want to make sure that I received the latest news and event updates, right? And the domain it comes from had changed. So what they had done, they'd put in their email is to ensure that you get these emails, please make sure that we're in your address book and it needs to be updated with the new email sending domain, right? So then they said what the domain was. And then they basically create a whole page. They've created a landing page about how to whitelist or get your IT team to put the domain in so that you actually got this email. And it's pretty comprehensive. So if you click that link, you'll actually see that. What's your thoughts on this? At what percentage of people would get this and actually go and do that? Well, you know what? If you're really keen, like example, Morning Brew, if I got that and I really wanted to keep, continue on, I would probably go through the effort. I really like Morning Brew. I've never missed a Morning Brew. I've never well, done that's that. exactly I've right. never added to whitelist. Um, but this is the thing, and I guess this is not so much for us in the sense that we're using uh, Google for work for our stuff, right? There are people, there are businesses that we deal with in, like say in the medical sector, that would have that very strict on email filtering in their businesses. And even things from HubSpot will get blocked before it even gets to the person. Really? Yes. Okay. By an IT filtering rule. Right. So, so but how are they even going to get notified to do well, this? Well, this is the thing, right? So- I guess the thing here is that if they're already receiving it, they want to make sure that anything further happens oh, doesn't get restricted. this is a change, yeah, quite It's a right. change, yeah, right? It's not like that, I've, yeah. I've just signed up to something, can you please make sure? There are there have been people that have done that, and I've done uh, – there is somebody that I have seen do this. Like when you sign up, they say, oh, look, make sure that if you're using this, make sure you drag it into your primary folder so you make sure you get our emails, which I thought was actually really good. And they did that on the landing thank you page. Actually, alerting people that this could happen, but if you want to hear from us, make sure that it appears in your primary inbox. So that's a really good one. And this is just another extreme of that. 
Yeah, look, it's a good idea. And I, I get that there's so much email and it gets put into folders. I, I wonder, I'd love to know, how would you even measure the effectiveness of this or whether they do it? Well, you check yeah. that your deliverability and your open rate was the same as yeah. before. Yeah, oh, well, that's true. You could compare open rates. I mean, deliverability wouldn't change yeah. because just because it's in another folder, it's still delivered. Yeah. If that's in your news folder, it's still, true. Delivered. It's still delivered. So open exactly. rate is open key. Open rate would be the indicator. Click rate would be key. Yeah. If they did have IT rules that blocked it, then that that would affect deliverability. It would be a blocked email. So Correct. That's... And you can see that in uh, HubSpot. You'll see that it is a bounced email and it has been blocked by the the receiver's domain and that that domain cannot receive email. Mm, very good. Food for thought there. There you go. What's our inside of the week, Craig? All right. I, I'm revisiting duplicate content. How many times have we covered this on the show? <laughs> So many times, but it keeps coming up. And uh, a lot of people talk about it, right? A, a lot of people are really worried about this. Oh, I'm going to get a duplicate content penalty. Yes. So I'll just give a bit of context. It's come up this week with a whole bunch of um, customers, clients. Uh, well, uh, prospects. Um, oh, yes. Kylie was uh, yep. at a conference um, to a whole bunch of our prospects, and this, this came up. Hey, shout out to Kylie, by the way. Um, anyway. There's this idea that if you have content that is on your site that is on someone else's site, you are going to get a content penalty. Google will penalize your site because you've got duplicate content. Now, this has, well, a long history because 10 years ago, that was much more potentially a problem. There was actually a sense of content, uh, duplicate content penalty, but that hasn't been the case for years. And to prove the point, I've got in the show notes, I've got four separate... Uh, high authority sites talking about this. One of them is Google, right? Talking about this. Anyway, there is no such thing as a duplicate content penalty anymore. In fact, all we'll call it is content filtering. This, and here, just to set the scope, this is what I'm talking about. People just creating websites, using content. Okay, so we're not talking about those black hat SEOs that do things to manipulate rankings. That might be treated differently. But for all the other businesses that have content, so typical example, e-commerce site, maybe you're selling a product on your e-commerce site that is on other products, maybe it's on Amazon, you'll use similar product descriptions, all this kind of thing, you are not going to get penalized. However, what Google will do is they will filter and they will filter for the user who's doing the search to give that user what they consider the best result. Mm. Now, to give you a very simple example, if it's location-based, You're in Sydney, someone else is in Melbourne or someone else is in New York. Yes. Now, if you're searching in New York, whose site do you reckon Google's going to show the content from? It's not going to be the Sydney-based one. It's going to be the New New York one-based. In Sydney, vice versa, right? So that's what filtering is in action. So this has come up with, yeah, as I said, a bunch of people today just trying to reiterate this case. I've got some show notes there. And I'll give you a great example in Australia or in other countries. Car dealerships. Yes. So think of Hyundai. A Hyundai car dealership. All these dealers around <laughs> Australia. Right. In fact, in Sydney, there'd be multiple Hyundai dealers. Go to their sites. Probably 90% of the content on, on their sites is going to be the same as every other dealer because they're going to have all the car models. We're going to have all the finance options. The same specifications. Same specs. They're going to have probably the same um, or very similar service offerings, right? And they'll have a bit of, you know, some original content around their team and a few other things, maybe yep. suburb related, right? Most of the content is the same as every other Hyundai dealer. Correct. Do you think Google has a penalty on Hyundai dealerships? No. Or no. <laughs> but what they will do is they filter it, right? So if you're in a particular suburb searching for Hyundai dealer, 
you'll get one, the, probably the closest to you. Or if you've actually visited a previous Hyundai dealership, maybe Google will be smart enough to know that was in your history. I'll show you that one. Probably depends the device you're on. Like they'll look at the sites and they go, well, this site actually works on mobile. This one doesn't. So if you're on your mobile. Correct. All these factors, right? Yeah. Duplicate content penalty? No. <laughs> Filtering based on what's the best result for you? Yes. Correct. And I hope this puts the whole conversation to rest. To rest, yes. uh, If you've got a question about that, uh, please drop us a note and we can go into it in more details. Uh, some of the show notes uh, go into it in a lot of detail, so you can read through that. I hope that's helpful. Okay, Craig, on to our podcast of the week. And this is the podcast from Seth Godin called Akimbo. And I want to highlight one episode, which is talks about friction. And we talk about frictionless selling. I thought this would be a good episode for people to listen to. And you know why we highlight these episodes and these podcasts to you is to actually grow your understanding beyond marketing and sales. And a lot of these things is actually to broaden our horizons. Like we learn and we actually learn a lot from listening to other people doing different things and growing themselves. So I encourage you to... If you can't listen to everything, at least listen to one thing. All right, Craig, you've got some good resources for the week, which is uh, PPC Trends for 2020. Good post here from Smart Insights. And by the way, yes, folks, the 2020 Trends posts have started already. They brace, sure have. Brace yourself. December's normally when they start appearing, but no. <laughs> some getting it early here, Craig. Early. It's like Christmas is yeah, going Christmas early. Christmas is coming. Let's throw them on. So apologies for that. But look, this is actually a good post. Uh, ignore the headline. This is really just around some thoughts around where PPC and advertising is going on. So, what are, a, what are some key points, Craig? Yeah, we've got a few highlights. I just pulled out. Look, automation of your advertising. That's what. That's probably the biggest thing that's changing, right? We see this in Google. We see this in Facebook. All the ad platforms. So much of the targeting these days, we just let Facebook work it out. Uh, some of the ads to use, we just let Google work it out. That's actually one of the other points they highlight, this whole idea of responsive ads. You know, Google's really, you know, Facebook's behind on this. Facebook doesn't do that particularly well. Yeah, right. Well, they do. They will show you the different sizes. Yeah. But um, I think Not Google's, the same. Yeah, Google's yes. really got the responsive ads. Well, it's because of the placement, right? Just think about Google has so many different placements across the web that it has access to compared to Facebook. And that's the reason I think they've just had to adapt quicker because of these very massive variations that they have. What's the next thing? Artificial intelligence. Well, of course. Yes. You know, can't, can't avoid an advertising conversation without talking about AI and machine learning. So Correct. Yeah, that's, of course, making results better. And what's the other one? Video ads. Yeah, I thought this was a nice follow-on from our Insight last episode where we're talking about Facebook inflating those video yes. attention or dwell times. But video advertising is on the rise, but in particular, video ad formats. So, and they mentioned, you know, bumper ads that Google's got that tool where it'll just take a longer a couple of minute video and it'll make six second chunks out of it to use as simple video yes. ads. That's going to become much more yeah. the norm. And I think that is it, the experience. People seem to be okay being interrupted for a few seconds. Correct. And I think six seconds is probably about right. Those 15 second bumpers that YouTube have, well, we've chatted about this on a show before. I don't watch, I, I have YouTube Pro, so I'd, or, or, or I pay for it. So I never see ads on YouTube. Thank goodness. I can't believe people sit through ads on YouTube. But anyway. You know what? Every time after, after that uh, episode that I'm on uh, YouTube, 
and I see an ad, I just get reminded of you, Craig. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I would actually go further. I would actually pay for ads to be removed from Twitter. Um, okay. I'm, I'm not on Facebook really much these days, except when I'm running <laughs> managing ad campaigns. But And Instagram are hardly on, uh, ever on, but I am on Twitter a fair bit. So, would you pay to get ads removed off Google if you could? Uh, yes, I would. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, you mean on Google search? Yeah. Um, maybe not Google search because they're normally high intent. So, if yep. I'm searching for something, an ad probably is yep. very relevant to me. On social, YouTube, yes. On the social channels. Yep. Yeah. YouTube, I've got a block. Twitter, I would actually pay to have them removed. Yeah, like, okay. I'd pay five bucks. You know, I'd pay five bucks a month for Medium. Yes. Uh, I'd pay five bucks a month for Twitter to be ad-free because most of the ads are not helpful to me. Yeah. And Facebook, if I was on there, I would pay to have uh, – to optionally be able to remove ads. Yeah. Just because it interrupts even in the flow and the news feed for me. As you know, I subscribe to a whole bunch of, you know, news sites and that. I pay for it. I mean, that, that, that's money well spent for me. Correct. Less it's time, right? Less, less distraction. You gain, yeah. you gain less distraction, you gain back your time. And I kind of choke when I say that because a lot of our agency's is writing success ads. <laughs> is about managing ads for clients. There's, a, there's an internal conflict there, which yes. I, I don't, I'm not, I, I'm struggling with. Yeah. All right, Craig, on to our quote of the week. Well, how appropriate. <laughs> I'll read the quote. Well, you can read the quote. <laughs> Let's not confuse getting better at stuff with being a better person. One is as much bigger priority than the other. And this is from the Daily Stoic. Yes, which I, I quite like. And so, Grissom, but yeah, we get better and better at ads all the time. But is it making us a better person? I don't think so. <laughs> no, that's not making us better, Craig. <laughs> oh my goodness, that quote was for me. <laughs> all right, listeners, there are some bonus links uh, of the week where we highlight some great things to do with audience segmentation and so on. Love you to take a look at the show notes. We'd love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And again, we love to hear from our listeners. If you've got anything at all, even just to say hi, we would love to hear from you. Wherever you are in the world, we love hearing from you guys. It's sometimes a bit lonely here, but, you know, that's all right. We do appreciate you listening and we do appreciate anything that we do get. And until next time, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hubshots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.